Welcome to the prologue. I am Doug Dahlgren, and I'll be your host for this next hour. I thank you all for listening. Now, I'm an author myself, and I enjoy introducing you folks to other writers, many you may not have heard of before. Today is very special, because not only do we have a terrific guest here, but we are live in the studio here at America's Web Radio. So if you're on the home page for America's Web Radio, just simply click on the TV screen, and you can look in and watch how we do this. Now, whether you're listening or watching us live, or perhaps maybe listening to the podcast later on, I'm very proud that you're there, and I welcome you to the show. As always, special welcome goes out to the military personnel stationed around the world. I want to thank you guys and gals for what you do, keeping us safe back here at home. And to all of you, I'd love to hear from you. Let me know what you think about the program, and also, very importantly, if you know someone else who would like to be a guest on this show, another writer or just an interesting individual, please have them email me at Doug at americaswebradio.com or Doug at DougDahlgren.com. Now, our book today is a memoir, and I want to warn you to start with that this thing reads more like a great fiction novel. It's all true and verifiable, and it's that good. The title is He Heard His Brother Call His Name, and it's a memoir of Patsy Doris Hale, the widow of William Hale. It was written by our guest here today, Wilma Martin Turner, and here is your prologue. On April 7, 1941, Virginia Kingsbury Hale gave birth to twin sons in Fort Worth, Texas. Her husband was well-connected FBI agent Insel Bailey Hale, former All-American offensive tackle at Texas Christian University and a close associate of J. Edgar Hoover, and much later he was security officer for Convair Aircraft and General Dynamics Corporation. Virginia herself was from the Kingsbury family of Atlanta, Georgia. They were primary founders of the prestigious Piedmont Driving Club, which was established in Atlanta in 1887. Those twin sons, Robert and William, would live their lives together and apart in larger-than-life ways, sometimes unbelievable ways. Our highlighted book is described as a true story of psychological warfare between identical twin brothers. Their paths would connect with history in many odd ways. The break-in of Judith Exner's apartment, she being John Kennedy's purported mistress, some 16 months prior to the Kennedy assassination. The twins' lives revolved around other circumstances, also linked to the assassination itself. Their personal contact with Lee Harvey Oswald, also with Charles Manson, and even Marilyn Monroe. He Heard His Brother Call His Name is now a memoir of Patsy Doris Hale, the wife and now the widow of William R. Billy Hale. Her story is told through the writing skills of a good friend for many years, Wilma Martin Turner. Miss Turner is with us here in studio this hour. Welcome to the prologue, Wilma. Thank you. Now, I suppose that the best place to begin would be your relationship with Patsy Doris Hale. Where and when did you two meet? Well, uh, we met in Denton, Texas when we were both, and our husbands were all in college at North Texas State University. Uh, we had rented a big 13-room uh, uh, Tudor-style home almost right on campus 
for $150 a month from which we uh, rented out apartments to other chemistry students. And Bill and Patsy moved next door to us because the big house that was next door had burned to the ground, but they moved into the guest quarters over the garage so that Billy would have that big front yard to train his dogs. He was an excellent animal trainer. And so George, my husband, met Billy, and we all became fast friends. And to this day, Patsy and I are. Now she, being Patsy Hale, she places a lot of tremendous trust in your ability to tell the story. And that was quite a responsibility, I'm sure, and also a great source of pride for you, was it not? Well, it was. Um, George and I had a company, and I, I was the sales rep for Florida. And Patsy would travel with me when I would go on sales trips. And in the meantime, she would tell me this story. We had been apart now, you've got to understand, for two decades. And, and one of those, she had just completely vanish. Well, not two decades. Uh, I guess one. The 1990s, we were not in touch. And uh, and then I found out why. But she kept telling me, Wilma, we've got to write a book. I've got to, got to get all this off my mind. And so she was in our house and we were sitting across the room from, from each other. I was on one sofa and she was on the other. She says, Wilma, let's do this. So I got a little tablet, and I sat there and wrote, and this is what I wrote. My name is Patsy Hale. The account I'm about to give is my story, and it is true. I am sure you have had a pivotal day in your own life. Something happens, and things are never the same. Christmas Eve 1977 was such a time for me and my husband, Bill. That is the day we started down a road that changed our family's history. Who is accountable for the nightmare years that followed? We all sinned, omission or commission. Which sin is worse? Tell me if you can. For after thinking it through a thousand times, I still don't know. I can, however, relate the facts. I remember them clearly. And at that point, when I finished writing that paragraph, I handed it across the room to Patsy, and she read it and was very emotional about it. She said, Wilma, we can do this. So we made a pact right then. Okay, let's do it. Excellent. Now, this is about the twins. And obviously, as neighbors and friends, you were around her husband, Bill Hale, but did you see much of the brother Bobby? Uh, the longest period of time I was with Bobby, and I would see him because he happened to live right across the street uh, with his wife at that time. Uh, but I, we walked home from North Texas State one day from class, and I got to talk with him, I guess, maybe 30, 45 minutes. And uh, it, was, it was very strange. He was already into taking drugs and telling me about things like meditation and mm. I don't I don't know he just it, it though the two don't go together at all. Twins, yeah. yeah. People normally when they think of twins, they think of a real close bond. 
from yeah. birth all the way through life. But that really wasn't the case with the Hale twins, was it? Well, not exactly. In fact, Doug, I don't think your listeners will ever have read a story quite like this book. Uh these twins were identical in looks, the both exceptionally handsome. I mean, gorgeous men. And, um, but their characters were opposite. Uh, they, I don't know, it would almost make you believe in good twin, bad twin. And if you want me to expound on that, how they grew up. I mean, after Patsy married Billy, he was an excellent father and husband. You use a term in the book, psychological warfare. I would like you to explain a little bit more about that. Okay. What was going on? There? Okay, well, let me tell you how, okay. how, they, how different they were. Billy would get up every morning with a family. He would have all of his kids around him. They would talk about what they were going to do during the day. And he would pray with them, actually, and read a little scripture, and then they would be off their separate ways. He'd go to his clinic. Patsy would take the kids to their private Christian academy. And um, that was what Billy was doing. In the meantime, Bobby had not showed up for years. And um, we come to find out he had stolen money. He had been in South America leading gypsies. I mean, they were that different. And when they came together, when when Bobby showed up that Christmas Eve, it had an incredible impact on Billy's life. Now, this was a habit of Bobby's, wasn't it? Just disappearing it, and staying gone. He would stay gone about six years at a time. Mm. Yeah, about that long. Okay. And uh, then he would appear. And fortunately, uh, Billy... You know, he he didn't worry that much about him. I mean, he would want to see him. He would miss him. But uh, in some cases, he would even have to take care of Bobby's mischief while Bobby was gone, you know, things he had gotten into. Now, these boys were born into a very prominent, strong family, the Hale family and their mother's side of the family. Uh, she was part of the Kingsbury family out of Atlanta, Georgia, as we mentioned earlier. And, in fact, Joseph Kingsbury was the founder of the Piedmont Driving Club. Now, that, uh, you know, this was her great-grandfather, I think. You yes. Uh, that's that's quite a, a heritage. Oh, yeah. He, he was an amazing man. He was in the Civil War. He went through the worst battles in the Civil War and came through. And uh, he was determined to see Atlanta rise from the ashes after the Civil War. He went to, from from um, Carrollton, Georgia, he went to Atlanta. He helped bring the cotton exposition to Atlanta, which helped bring business to Atlanta. And uh, then helped found the, he was the, the founder, actually, the idea of the Piedmont Driving Club was his. And the driving, by the way, was not golf. It was motor vehicles. <laughs> the cars had just come Horse out. and buggy and then motor vehicles. Yeah. Right. And they would drive around Atlanta. And Bell Burge came to Atlanta and met, uh, not, uh, uh, yeah, and met Joseph Kingsbury. Now, uh, Billy's mother was also a birch. Her mother was a birch. 
and the Burgess are very famous in Texas, big family. So Patsy and Billy came from different backgrounds. Yes. But strong family ties on both sides. Yes. Okay. In fact, um, oh, um, you know, Billy's family was into politics, country club scene, uh, Virginia, Kingsbury. Burge Kingsbury had been a um, debutante. Uh, and... It, and then her Patsy's family. In fact, if you'd like me to, I can read you just uh, another. Well, we can, we can do that. But the uh, the father, Insel Bailey Hale, they called him IB. Is that yes, right? Yes. Right. Now he was a famous, a rather famous football player at TCU back in those days. Oh yes, and he too was a very remarkable man. I mean, looks and personality. Okay, so I guess the bottom line here is that we don't want to give too much of your book away. We want people to read your book. But these guys had one of the better starting points for two twins or two brothers of anybody you've ever heard of, and yet the lives went in the direction, as you explain in this book, which is just fascinating. Uh, And again, I remind you, this is a memoir. It's told through the writing skills of our guest today, but it is actual memoir of the widow of Billy Hale. And I think we're coming up on a break here. So before we get into anything too much further, I want to tell the folks we're here on America's Web Radio. My name's Doug Dahlgren, and this is the prologue. My guest this morning is Wilma Martin Hale. Her, excuse me. Thank you. That was a screw-up, wasn't it? <laughs> Wilma Martin Turner. The book is He Heard His Brother Call His Name. And we will be back after these messages. Don't be hoodwinked by the left who wants you to believe the fairy tale that we can power America on butterflies, rainbows, and pixie dust. I'm Marita Noon. Get the truth about energy on my show, America's Voice for Energy, only on America's Web Radio. When four members of Congress all die within four months, each of their deaths appears to be from natural causes. But when mysterious messages begin to appear in the form of quotations from long-dead revolutionary heroes, one reporter sets out to prove the existence of a serial killer. His search discovers dark secrets and an assassin shielded by people who need the very services that only he can provide. The Sun Silas Rising, a novel by Doug Dahlgren. On Kindle or paperback through Amazon.com. Affordable health insurance was the promise of Obamacare. But for many, the government mandate caused more problems than it solved. This is Dr. Elena George from Medicine on Call. And I want to tell you about a truly affordable alternative allowed under Obamacare, Liberty HealthShare. Liberty HealthShare bypasses doctor and hospital panels, giving you the freedom to choose. And with a maximum of $500 out-of-pocket per person and 100% coverage up to $1 million per year per occurrence, you can rest assured knowing you and your family are protected. Coverage starts as low as $107 per month and also includes dental, vision, pharmacy, and holistic care. Liberty HealthShare puts you back in charge of your health. Visit them online at libertyoncall.org. Again, for a true affordable alternative to Obamacare, visit libertyoncall.org or call toll-free 1-800-714-6993 today. This is AmericasWebRadio.com, the best in chat radio designed just for you. 
And we are back. This is the prologue. My name is Doug Dahlgren. Our guest this morning, if I can say it right this time, is Mil- Wilma Turner, and she is here with her book, He Heard His Brother Call His Name. Now, we've been setting up the background of the families of these two boys, and again, we're talking about Billy and Bobby Hale, and folks from Texas may recall this story because it is one of those stranger-than-real-life type th- situations, but it is real life. The trouble between these twins seemed to have started very early, and it continued all through their lives. Now, the notoriety really begins with John Connolly's daughter, and we're speaking of the for, you know, former Texas governor, but with John Connolly's daughter, Kathleen. Tell us how she plays a role in this. Well, Kathleen Connolly married Bobby Hale. That is Billy's brother. And, uh, in fact, he's on, they're both on the cover of the book uh, because our editor wanted it that way. He said, this is a man's book. Don't put, Patsy and I wanted to put babies on the cover. But um, he said, don't do that. This is a man's book. So, I mean, I guess it is. It's man's and woman's. But um, Kathleen Connolly fell in love with Bobby and married him. They ran away. They got married up in Oklahoma, by the way, and they ran away to Tallahassee, Florida. And Kathleen Connolly, who was also a good friend of Patsy's in school, was dead within a few weeks. Uh, Billy, I mean, uh, yeah, Billy and Bobby's father, I.B., and John Connolly rushed to Florida, and Connolly told I.B., I'm going to have this investigated. I think your son killed my daughter. Now, she was shot in the head. Shot in the in the head and with a rifle. And the entry point was the back right part behind the ear where she was shot. But I.B. told him, he said, I'm going to clear my son. I'll have the FBI investigate this. And clear my son. But Connolly was moving up in politics at that time. Later became the governor. He was a senator. And um, so somehow it dropped. And somehow it became, it was adjudicated an accident. And the same gun that killed Kathleen Connolly almost killed Patsy Hale but that's I'm not going to give away any more of the story than that but she could very easily have been killed with that same gun so right away we've got a historical figure John Connolly's daughter involved in this Um, now when did Billy and Patsy actually meet well they met very early they all lived in the you know ritzy side of Fort Worth Um, I think it was a Westbury Ridgely, Westbury, um, and uh, they were about 11 or 12 years old. But, uh, and she knew, she knew the twins. And all those children over there, those young people, grew up together, went to school together, and they were friends literally for life. A lot of them were. Uh, Lee Harvey Oswald also went to that school. And I won't get in, into that anymore. Well, but let me I ask you this way. There, there's so many 
still unanswered questions about the Kennedy assassination, and I doubt that we'll ever really get uh, answers that satisfy everybody. But this family's story just seems to add more questions than it does answers. Can you share with us why Virginia, the boy's mother, was questioned by the Warren Commission after the assassination? Well, by then, uh, Billy's parents had divorced. And so Virginia, for the first time in her life, went out to look for a job. And she became, uh, she, she, oh gosh, I can't even talk about how high she tested uh, on the uh, civil service exam. And they put her in charge of human resources, hiring. And Lee Harvey Oswald had come to her for a job. And she got him a job at the Texas School Book Depository. And so, really, that was the main reason. You already mentioned that uh, all of these kids, Billy, Bobby, Patsy, and Lee Harvey Oswald, they all went to school together. And I think the football team there was also involved in this. Um, What was the actual connection? Did Patsy literally date Lee Harvey Oswald for a while? No, no, she did not. She did not. Uh, A friend of hers dated and uh, actually became engaged to um, uh, Lee Harvey Oswald's brother. And that was very interesting. They wound up later, after both of them married other people, living in the same neighborhood, and their children played together. Um, But we were talking about the suspicious um, occurrences. I've got Bud Kennedy is in Fort Worth, and he is an investigative reporter for the Times-Herald. And I've got a paragraph or two of what he wrote about this. Oh, please, go ahead. Uh, I'll have to... Okay. Robert Hale's storyline for the death of Kathleen Connolly does not hold up to the evidence, claiming she blew herself with, uh, up with a shotgun held to the head. The injury and the entry wound is in the right rear. It was he who was the murderer, a fact which he carried to the grave. Now, this is the editor. Uh, this is Bud Kennedy's editor. Read more about this man and his bizarre connection to the JFK assassination through his relationship with General Dynamics, an entity essentially owned by the Zionist mob, Crown family, and others. Okay, now that's beside that, beside the point. Here's what Bud Kennedy writes. Connolly's claims that this was a suicide pact which violates all evidence and is itself suspect. Suspect. Um, we may never learn more about President John F. Kennedy's assassination in Dallas, but if we do, the truth may come from the west side of Fort Worth. That's where CIA spies, Cold War-era defense officials, and industrial security chiefs all lived within a few miles, in some cases blocks, of each other and of misfit Lee Harvey Oswald. Today, sitting here hearing this, I mean, it sounds rather strange that we wouldn't have had a bigger deal 
made out of uh, John Connolly's daughter. But again, in context, when this happened, he was not yet governor. The assassination hadn't happened. He was a senator, which is a powerful position. But again, he was going up against the power of the FBI. That's right. That Billy's father, or Bobby's father, really was, was in control of. And so... Folks, those of us who grew up in that era, and we sit here saying, "Well, now I don't remember hearing a lot about that," uh, makes you wonder what was going on, you know. Yeah. And it continued. Now, the story of these guys' lives in that time period, prior to the uh, assassination, I mean, they include these connections with John F. Kennedy, with Marilyn Monroe, Judith Exner, as we mentioned earlier. The, the thing almost reads like a chapter out of Forrest Gump. Or yeah. something, you know, uh, except that this is all real. It's all verifiable. Uh, there's another interesting character that comes to play in this. Bobby disappeared, as you've already told us, many times and for long periods of time. Uh, one of these disappearances was to California, and he entered in with the hippie culture out there. Would you tell us a little bit about that and who he ran into there? Well, Bobby became very popular in the hippie culture. He became a midwife, and uh, he would uh, birth the babies uh, of the hippies. He, uh, uh, Charles Manson came looking for him and had uh, candlelight uh, dinners, at least one, with Bobby and his girlfriend and Charles Manson's girlfriend. And Bobby went out to the ranch, to Charles Manson's ranch. And we have to wonder, was there ever a chance that Bobby would be sucked into this culture, you know, into this Charles Manson cult? And Patsy thinks that would be almost impossible because Bobby wanted his own following. And as you'll see, this happened. But Bobby wanted his own following. He didn't want to be following anybody else. So he hung around. He might have been in charge. Yeah. He <laughs> wanted to be in charge. Exactly right. And uh, so they eventually, um, Bobby parted ways. Sure. And, yeah. Well, now. This book, we haven't told the folks yet where they can find it. This book is just simply amazing. The storyline and the writing is excellent. Uh, is, is this your first book? It is my first book, yes. Okay. Where did you get your experience? How did you come up with the ability to pull this all together the way you did? Well, Doug, that is such a good question. When I wrote that first paragraph, I couldn't believe I was writing it. It was almost like it was just handed to me, just came to me, because I can hardly write a memo. You know, I am not a gifted writer, but it turns out I I am a gifted writer. Um, So my father was a writer and wrote several books, but at any rate, we had an excellent editor, Mark Kirby, who had uh, been editor of the Gentleman's Quarterly, and he was fascinated with this story. In fact, he wrote some short stories himself about these twins. He went all the way to Fort Worth to meet Patsy. And he wanted to write the book himself. He said, if you ever do write a book, because Patsy refused. She said, if I, if I write a book, I want my friend, Wilma, to write it. Mainly because I was raised by a Baptist preacher. My father was a Baptist preacher. And Patsy wanted this uh not from the angle of Gentleman's Quarterly, but from her 
upbringing. And so that's that's what we did. But Mark guided me. He was an excellent editor. Folks out there, the book is He Heard His Brother Call His Name. Wilma, tell us, where can folks find this book? Well, uh, they can find it on Amazon, uh, on Kindle, uh, Create Space, and they can go on Patsy's website. Can you give us that right quick? Yes, I can. It is very, very simple. Just www.patsydoris, D-O-R-R-I-S, Hale, H-A-L-E. Patsy Doris Hale, all written together in small small letters, dot com. dot com. Okay, very good. Folks, we're here this morning with Wilma Martin-Turner. Again, we're talking about her fascinating book, He Heard His Brother Call His Name. We're here on the prologue at America's Web Radio, and we'll be back after these messages. When four members of Congress all die within four months, each of their deaths appears to be from natural causes. But when mysterious messages begin to appear in the form of quotations from long-dead revolutionary heroes, one reporter sets out to prove the existence of a serial killer. His search discovers dark secrets and an assassin shielded by people who need the very services that only he can provide. The Sun Silas Rising, a novel by Doug Dahlgren. On Kindle or paperback through Amazon.com. Did you miss a show that you really wanted to hear? All of our programs are available for download on AmericasWebRadio.com and on iTunes. You can listen to your favorite programs on AmericasWebRadio.com anytime you like. The disease of addiction is a life-altering challenge, not just for the person suffering its effects, but also for the family and friends who support and love the one caught in its grasp. What should be the course of treatment? Who is the best person to render treatment? And what is the best place to go for the care that is needed? We know that you want answers to these and many more questions. Call 770-696-9862 and speak to a representative of the Atlanta Healing Center. They can tailor a program specifically designed to address the needs of the person suffering with an addiction or give you guidance as to where that help may be found. Information is the key, and the trained staff at AHC is here to assist. If you wish, you can also get more information on the website located at www.AtlantaHealingCenter.com. This is America's AmericasWebRadio.com, the best in chat radio designed just for you. And we are back. My name is Doug Dahlgren. We're here with the Prologue. We're on America's Web Radio. Now, this morning's guest is Wilma Martin-Turner, and the book we're talking about is He Heard His Brother Call His Name. This is a fascinating story about the Hale Twins of Texas back in the 50s and 60s during the time surrounding the Kennedy assassination. And it's just a fascinating story with all the connections. Uh, like we mentioned earlier, they're almost Forrest Gump-like with one caveat is that these stories are true. Now, Wilma, there was an incident concerning a spring break trip around the Galveston, Texas area that kind of describes the boys' relationship uh, in, in pretty severe detail. Would you tell us that story or a little bit about it right quick, the spring break? Yes. Uh, that is a very that, – that's one of my favorite chapters, too – 
uh, Billy and Patsy had planned this spring break to Galveston, Texas. It was really big on the North Texas State campus. If you wanted to go anywhere for spring break, you went to Galveston. And uh, so Bobby, with his blue Corvette, was going to come pick Patsy and Billy. Well, Billy and Bobby were coming up in Bobby's Corvette. Patsy and Bobby's girlfriend, who he had never met, but Patsy got him a date with her. This is after Kathleen Connolly's death. And uh, so he came uh, riding up to their, uh, how, their sorority house and came in. And um, the girls piled down and expecting to see Billy and got out to the car. No Billy. And Patsy is looking everywhere. She says, where is, where is Billy? And Bobby says, well, he'll come later. But anyway, they made that whole trip. And Patsy was just in a state of confusion. She was miserable that, Bob, that Billy had actually stood her up and didn't come on the spring break with her. And uh, she had actually told a story to her parents They didn't know that she was going with Bobby and Billy. They thought she was going with girlfriends, which she did meet up with in in Galveston. But anyway, um, so after they uh, they got to Galveston, I mean, he would not say where Billy was, only that he would show up. But that night, they were out on the pier uh, outside a restaurant, and somebody told her, Actually, she was dancing with somebody else. That's the way it was. Yes, an old friend of hers. They were dancing. And uh, somebody tapped her on the shoulder and said, Billy's outside. Well, she immediately ran outside to see Billy. And he was wired. His face was completely wired together. He couldn't talk. His jaw had been broken. He had several loose teeth. And all he could do was just mumble and wanted to know why she hadn't waited for him. And she said, she she told him, your brother didn't tell me that you were injured. He said, I was in the hospital. She said, Bobby didn't tell us that. I just thought you stood me up. And the story goes on. I go on to tell the story, but the truth is, Nobody knew why Bobby didn't, you know, just left his brother in the hospital. And actually, Billy had had to hitch a ride down there himself, you know, with somebody else, strangers, with his jaws wired shut. He was so anxious to get to Galveston and get to Patsy. And... um, Well, now, didn't... didn't, uh Bobby have a little bit more to do with it than just leaving him oh, there? Oh, yes. Okay. What had actually happened is that they were over at, uh, on campus, TCU, and they were playing, um, uh, doing hurdles. And Bobby had thrown a, what do you call that thing that you that you hurl, a, a pucket or, or something, threw it right into Billy's face and broke his jaw and took him to the hospital. So he knew where Billy was the whole time. 
He just chose not to tell Patsy, which is, and not to tell anybody. He didn't tell any of the friends either. It was very, very strange. Throughout the story and throughout their life, it appears that Billy took the short end of this stick, and and yet he seemed to just persevere. He just seemed to continue on. Uh, he didn't break off contact with his brother. He allowed his brother to do that. Mm-hmm. And so he's rather strange uh, personality on his own, and yet he went to college, yes. had a tremendous career, and he and Patsy had a very nice home in the Fort Worth area. So yes. he was quite successful despite all that he went through at the hands of his brother. Well, the thing is, Doug, that when Billy was succeeding, when he would go to school and, you know, build the house and do all the things that he needed to do, Bobby was not on the scene. And... So when the brother came around, all of that kind of changed. It kind of changed. And he comes back after six years and finds them in a nice home. Uh, We kind of get the feeling there could be some animosity, although Bobby would never say it. But he had completely changed. Um, Completely. Bobby was... was, um, he, they, they called him Mr. Neiman Marcus. Let me read just one little paragraph here to, sure. to show the changes when he came back in a big surprise on Christmas Eve. They're having a big party. What do you say and do when a loved one shows up and is completely changed? All of us, including Billy, stare in disbelief at this reverse metamorphosis. I cannot help comparing the stranger we behold now with the handsome, well-dressed Bobby I had last seen six, six years ago, stepping out of his flashy Corvette, smiling, always an electrifying presence. Mr. Neiman Marcus, our friends called him. Now stands before us what appears to be an undernourished mountain man. His hair is long and turning gray, and he has a graying, scraggly beard. He is dressed in what amounts to rags. His limp pants fall above his ankles, and most alarming, his feet are bare. And that's on Christmas Eve. Cold. Christmas Eve, and he shows up, and I don't know if you mentioned it, but he wasn't alone. He brought his entire family with him. Yes, he did. Uh, he brought a young woman, tall, blonde, uh, shy. They had two children. They also had they had two babies, basically. Then they had two other children with them that were not their own. Turned out to be... Uh, gypsy children and this became a big problem and I've got a chapter in the book about this too but I won't get into that. Okay, now is Patsy, what, what is her role in this? All this stuff's going on what, what does she uh, think about her brother-in-law at this point? She's horrified. She's absolutely horrified. Okay. Uh, she was uh, she was so shocked and hurt when she heard him out in in the yard. Um, These people come in and just take over their home. Yeah. Okay. She goes to the door. Billy tells everybody. In fact, they're, they're saying the blessing for their Christmas Eve meal. 
to in their guests and and they they see lights through the window you know jogging down into their backyard and they've got big picture windows and all and billy says y'all stay here let me go see what's going on and um so they stand there and billy rushes out into the dark I go to the kitchen door, but the bobbing lights have disappeared. Then out of the night, I hear a call, Billy, and my knees nearly buckle. Again, the familiar cause calls, Billy. A feeling of dread fills the pit of my stomach. It is Bobby, Billy's twin, and my nightmare. I remember the mysterious phone call early this morning, well before dawn, and the careful click of a telephone hang-up. Of course that was Bobby just like some mischief from his checkered past. But anyway, Billy is so glad to see him. You know, they hug and everything. And so Patsy gets into it, too. She says, okay, this this is maybe a good thing. But it's not many. In fact, that very night, just one episode after another. You won't believe it. There's another character that comes into the story at about this time named Roland. Tell us real briefly, who is Roland and what what did he do? Roland is an evangelist in Fort Worth, in the Dallas-Fort Worth area. Now, of course, that's not his real name. Maybe somebody from Fort Worth at that time can figure out who Roland was, but we didn't identify him. Uh, he is a good friend of Bill and Patsy's, and his he and his wife travel with Billy and Patsy some, and they have meals together and breakfasts together once a week. And um, he watches this drama unfold, and we're kind of carried through the book by Roland's warnings. He keeps telling Patsy, you know what needs to happen and and Billy is already he is so caught up with Bobby in fact we watch these twins descend into spiritual chaos is what I call it Mm -hmm. complete confusion Billy who had been such an incredible man he was my husband's best friend by the way at North Texas State um well, this time, this time, and this character that you uh, tell us is not really named Roland, but he's brought in to try to reach uh, spiritually, reach out to Bobby and see if he can get get him squared away and straightened out. And yet, the personality of this brother, Bobby, literally takes over and controls even Roland. Yeah, uh, it, it's I can't recount all the various ways uh, because it would just give everything away but uh it's well, there's truly an, there's amazing another, there's another character in literature known as Fengali. would you say that bobby qualified as a Fengali? i think uh he might uh he is definitely the protagonist he influences everybody in the story most people he influences negatively uh, he keeps the pages turning. I mean, um, my cousin told me recently after she read the book, she said, Wilma, I dreaded every page, but I couldn't put it down. It's the most amazing story I've ever read. So, and then if we call him, 
the tra- the uh, the protagonist Billy would be the tragic hero. Oh yeah, he, definitely. Absolutely. Um, Folks, we're here. We're talking with Wilma Martin Turner. This book is just fascinating. If you're not hooked now, I don't know what it would take to get you, and we still have another 15 minutes to go. But the book is He Heard His Brother Call His Name. It is the story of the Hale Twins of Texas, and we will be back with much more of this here on America's Web Radio right after these messages. Watchdog is a term given an organization like the United States Justice Foundation which since 1979 has been watching out and, when necessary, taking the appropriate action from testifying to litigating to protect our constitutional rights. USJF, a nonprofit organization, is nationally recognized not only as a watchdog, but many in the government, as well as those involved in legal cases, have also called the USJF a bulldog for the tenacious approach in their presentation and proof of what is right. Find out more at www.usjf.net. Support USJF as they support you. Don't be hoodwinked by the left who wants you to believe the fairy tale that we can power America on butterflies, rainbows, and pixie dust. I'm Marita Noon. Get the truth about energy on my show, America's Voice for Energy, only on America's Web Radio. The Docs for Patient Care Foundation is your way to join the fight and become a member of an organization created by doctors for patients dedicated to fighting for your health care freedom and preserving the doctor-patient relationship. Get a pen and paper. Write down docsforpatientcarefoundation.org. That's D-O-C-S, the number four, patientcarefoundation.org. Go to our site and please make a generous tax-deductible donation and join the fight today. Thank you. Did you miss a show that you really wanted to hear? All of our programs are available for download on AmericasWebRadio.com and on iTunes. You can listen to your favorite programs on AmericasWebRadio.com anytime you like. This is AmericasWebRadio.com, the best in chat radio designed just for you. And my name is Doug Dahlgren. We're here on the Prologue on America's Web Radio. We've got with us this morning Wilma Martin-Turner, and we're talking about the Hale Twins and her fabulous book, He Heard His Brother Call His Name. Wilma, we were just talking about the Christmas Eve, the the very dramatic story in here about where uh, Patsy and Billy were actually having a great family get-together and were sitting down for their prayer and how the Bobby family shows up unannounced and basically just takes over. Uh, before this is finished, Patsy's mother and father have to leave for the evening, and there's quite a scene that you describe in the book that really explains her feelings from her upbringing to what she's experiencing now. Would you care to read a little bit about that to us? Yes, I think it really uh, gives you an idea of the difference between Billy's background with a you know a family all involved in politics and country clubbing and all the rest of it and then Patsy's background uh it's getting late on Christmas Eve and uh everybody's still in the house having a big party but her mother and dad need to leave so she takes them to the back door you know to the door front door actually and uh quietly not to break up the party and to tell them good night. I wrap my arms around both my parents, and I am overcome with love for them. 
I think they have given me an upbringing that every child should have in a secure, loving, and godly home. If anything goes wrong in my life, it won't be because of them. I kiss mother in the spot I love to kiss on her neck under her right jaw. In my whole life, I have never heard her raise her voice to my dad. For that, I am grateful. I love him so much, I think I would die if he were hurt. In fact, if my parents ever had a quarrel, I don't know about it. And I think that that right there, uh, that will answer some of the questions that the readers are going to have as to why Patsy didn't do certain things. She was not used to this turmoil. She didn't understand what was going on. No. She was caught up in it. Yeah. She was a caught lot, up in it, yes. A lot of wives and sometimes husbands are caught up in situations like that and, and really don't know how to react. Mm-hmm. So they kind of just live through it and hope that it'll pass. Uh, now, shortly after this and the mess that's created, Bobby disappears again. And he heads up into the mountains of New Mexico. And yet another celebrity that everybody knows is brought into the story because the property that he goes to and basically squats on is owned by none other than Jack Nicholson. Yes, that's true. And uh, Karina, the young girl that is traveling with him, I guess we could call her his wife, uh, Her, she's from a Hollywood family. Her dad was a producer and her mother was a movie star. And they both knew Jack Nicholson. And when Karina expressed that she wanted a place to disappear to, to you know, to raise her family, of course, her mother was horrified. Uh, but anyway, they knew that Jack Nicholson had all this property, hundreds of acres, out in New Mexico. And uh, it had a little small ranch on it, very small house, cabin. And um, she asked him if they could rent it from him. And he said, yes, yeah, sure. So that's what they did. I think they rented it for like a dollar a month, something. You know. And they were there for pretty well 20 years. They were there until they went to Alaska. And there's yes. a story, too. Tell us real quick. The title comes from an incident toward the end of that 20 years that involves both brothers and a rather strange occurrence where Billy suddenly stood up and just said the title that he heard his brother call his name. Yes, and our editor really loved that, and that's what he wanted us to name the book. Give so, them a little more. Give the folks a little more detail. Well, uh, Billy had kept feeling the urge to go out to see Bobby, and Patsy was so horrified with it. This would. Uh, this was like the second or third trip that they had made out there that after six years when bobby left then they went bill and patsy and their family went out to see bobby and that ended in much drama you will not believe it but anyway um then there were some more years but but now billy's at work everything's going fine but he keeps feeling that that Bobby needs him, is calling him. So he, without even notifying Patsy beforehand, tells Patsy at a party that uh, they're having that you need to drive me to Lovefield. I've got a car rented there, and I'm going to Bobby's. 
she couldn't make a big scene at the party. So afterwards, she drives him to to Love Field in in Dallas to get his car, and he he says. But uh, she says, what is Bobby? Bobby's been contacting you. And he said, no, he doesn't even know I'm coming. I just can't rest. I can't sleep at night. I feel like I need to go to Bobby. Okay, so he goes out there. He parks his car down at the foot of the mountain because you have to walk up a very, very rough trail to get to Bobby's house up on top of this mountain. And as he's going up, he feels like, you know, he feels just an incredible urge. He's going up the mountain, and he sees all of these robes laid out, like nine robes, white robes over a fence. And uh, and he feels like Bobby is, he feels like he heard Bobby or senses Bobby, and he gives their secret whistle, and Bobby answers it. They're waiting for him. They're waiting for him. Bobby knew he was coming, and he had laid, he was having a big baptism, you know, nine people, and Billy was the ninth one. Uh, there were eight more up there staying, ready to be baptized. And and this is very strange. This is when, you know, he hears his brother calling his name over and over. It compels him to drive all the way to New Mexico. And folks, there's much more that you just really need to read about. I'm going to cut Wilma off on that because I want you to read it to find out how that plays out. It's rather strange. Very but it, strange. But it's something that you really need to read. I want to ask you, Wilma, before we wind up here now, both of these brothers are now deceased. Yes. Um, how is Patsy doing today? Patsy is doing well. Um, she, uh, she and her children are fine. Well, I understand that she might be listening to us this morning, and I hope that's the case. I hope that's the case, too. Uh, She had a closing or something. She said, oh, well, I I may not be able to listen. But hopefully she is, and if she isn't, maybe she can catch up, you know. How long did it take you to write this story? It took five years. Five years. And Patsy and I stayed on the phone, you wouldn't believe, um... And visited back and forth. I even went down to her house and because she had to work, I would I would go down to her house and stay two weeks at a time. So, do you know is she pleased with the way all of this turned out? I think she loves the book. She realizes, uh, of course, once you write a book, you could change it a thousand times, as you know, Doug, being an author. You see a sentence and you think, well, I can write that sentence different or better. I use different words, stronger verbs. But anyway, you know, we both wound up being pretty happy with it. And our editor was very happy with it. He chose the name of the book, the picture, and... um, They tend to do that, don't they? Well, we were glad because we couldn't decide. There were so many possibilities. Oh, yeah. Are you working on anything else? Uh, Not right now. I've had several people ask me to do their memoirs, and some of them are very, very interesting people. Um, But I, I haven't committed. I just don't have five years to give to another book right now, but I may be a Harper Lee. 
There like I go. told a friend recently, at 93, who knows, I may come out with another book. That, that seemed <laughs> to be uh, rather financially beneficial for that family. In some uh, it seems to be. Yes. Now, folks, again, this is a very fascinating book. I hope you'll look into it. It's He Heard His Brother Call His Name. Well, I'm going to tell the folks again where they can find this book. You can find this book on Amazon, on Kindle, uh, Create Space. And I think Patsy uh, even sells it on her website, which is Patsy Doris, D-O-R-R-I-S, Hale, PatsyDorisHale.com. Okay. Can you think of anything that, that we've left out this morning, something you really need to tell the folks before we close out the show? Oh, my goodness. Uh, there would just be so many. One thing I will say, you mentioned Judith Exner a couple of times, you know the you know Judith Exner's. Yes, indeed. And she was the mobster, Giancani's yes. mistress, as well as John F. Kennedy. And the FBI was very interested in that situation. Yes, they were. And the father was quite involved in that. Quite uh, involved there's, in there's it. There's just a lot of facets to this book that you'll just be really amazed as you read it. So, folks, I hope that you will take the time and look it up. Uh, Wilma, I want to thank you for being here. Uh this is, like I said, a fascinating book, and, and we appreciate you coming in this morning. Tell us about it. Well, thank you for having me. Okay. Now, folks, there you have it. You have been introduced. This has been your prologue. Now, the rest is up to you. The author, again, is Wilma Martin-Turner, and her story is that of Patsy Doris Hale, a memoir of He Heard His Brother Call His Name, and we certainly hope you'll look that up. Now, we'll be back next week, and until then... My name is Doug Dahlgren. For myself and our guest this hour, Wilma Martin-Turner, I say take care of yourselves and each other. Read a book. I hope that will be Miss Turner's. If not, maybe one of mine. And I'll see you all again in just 167 hours. Take care now. This is AmericasWebRadio.com, the best in chat radio designed just for you.